Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm not in our Facebook group often, but when I am, I stop and read the dilemmas a lot because I feel like what I find more interesting than the dilemma usually is the advice people give to the original poster about what they should or shouldn't do or how, like how their situation is perceived. And I know that like, it takes a lot of vulnerability to like ask for advice. And I often find like people are a little bit, um, what's the word? Like soft is not necessarily the word, but they're probably perhaps not as critical as they would be if this was just a stranger like if this was just like a random screenshot, I think like people would be more critical than like a person in the group who's also engaging with everyone else saying they have a problem. Anyway, like we tend to, I think people tend to pander a bit to people in the group. Oh, I see what you mean. When it comes to advice. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Anyway, so this person posted in the group um, and wanted advice. And I thought, why don't we read out, like answer group advice questions? Because this is interesting. People want to know. But they asked, um, I need your advice on a trait that I can't seem to let go of that really hurts my self-worth I'm always the one in friendships who reaches out who makes plans who checks up on the other and I'm so tired of it if I don't reach out I won't see or hear from anybody I do stay busy with work and a bunch of hobbies and I'm never really bored so it's not like I'm the always available type of girl so since the start of 2020 I've just said to myself if they don't miss me oh wait no so since the start of 2020 I've just said to myself if they miss me they will contact me and they just don't it makes me feel worthless when I get the sense that nobody misses me enough to even just send me a message. When I try to talk to them about it, they either say they understand but change nothing or they'll say that that's just the way they are. It doesn't make me feel less exhausted, any advice. And um, yes, what I find is really interesting about this dilemma is it's one that we probably both get a lot of yeah. one party feeling like they're putting in all the effort and having that effort not recipro- reciprocated. And I feel like, when it comes to behavior that we want reciprocated, we have the responsibility to set that standard of reciprocity. And right. I feel like in early stages of relationships, we give freely and willingly with the assumption that it will be returned in the same way, in the same intensity mm. at the same time. But we, what I say about assumptions, something, something you make an ass out of you and me, it's yeah. just dangerous yeah. territory because people won't read your brains. And I feel like alongside this narrative of reciprocity, we've also been taught to kind of just appreciate when someone does something good for us. So you know how like sometimes when someone says, I love you, you want to say it back just to prove that like, you know, you're balancing it out. When often you just want to sit and be like, yeah, let me just hold on to that. You love me. Let me just appreciate that. You know, or similarly, if someone's shown you or complimented you, in the past, due to insecurity, we want to rush and compliment them back. When in reality, you just want to sit into it and enjoy being seen and being appreciated. And That's so, a good point. You yeah. know, so I feel like, yeah, in, so if those two separate like dialogues are happening where someone is being active and being um, available and open and I'm enjoying that presuming that's the standard they want to bring into the relationship, right? Because Mm. I would assume that when it comes to relationships, platonic and otherwise, 
You do what you're comfortable doing and then you receive what you're being, like what's being given to you. And then if you're uncomfortable, you speak about it early on because it's hard to break habits that are already established. Right. Right. And so in this instance, I feel for this person because although I'm not the person who reaches out, I'd rather stay home. You know, I'm not trying yeah. to go anywhere, yeah. but I have, I, for all intents and purposes, my friends will be that, that my friends are those people who are reaching I was out gonna, to me. I was, yeah, I was going right? to go there too. Yeah. And they're the ones who are reaching out and they're the ones saying, you know, like, let's hang out, let's do shit, which is like, it's fine in the sense that I've already created that boundary and said, I don't want to do shit often because I've created a lifestyle thanks to my job where the parallels between job and socializing is blurred. I've met, mm. I've made a lot of my friends from work. A lot of the environments I would have deemed to be fun, like going to a club and going to restaurants and like hanging and out are yeah. now work environments. I don't want to go there. So there's a certain sense of understanding between me and my friends where if we're going to hang out, let's do it in an environment where I don't have to feel like I'm at work to be there. Right, right. Which is fair because, but I've set that boundary early. And I've also said, I don't set the expectation of being an always available friend. I'm not always texting. I don't answer when you pick up just because you want to chit chat. Yeah. (laughs) And that's fine. And what I found interesting is that those boundaries were always um, really... It caused a lot of friction in the early stages. People thought I was being Mm. rude, but it made it easier in future for them to figure out, okay, I already know that if I want to hang out, I just got to put it in your calendar and let you know, you know, or I already already know that if we want to do a call, I just got to let you know in the morning, we'll do it at night, you know? But in this instance, it seems as though there's this presumption that it wasn't communicated. And when we talk about communicating, unlike talking, talking is just making sounds with your mouth. We do that shit all the time. Communicating is making sure that your message is um, received yeah, as intended. And, you know, yeah. it's super clear. So in this instance, I can imagine when you hit up a friend, you say, you know, I feel like I'm always hitting you up and you're never around. That's what we're just talking. Because it's similar to like the, um, the am I the asshole of the, the rich guy who um, yeah. his wife is working and she wants to work, but he doesn't, you know, it's similar to that. People find that like, if you make a decision and you don't like the consequence, then it's your business. So I can imagine your friends are like, yeah, you're telling me how you feel, but you're also hitting me up still. So mm. clearly you didn't learn. But I want to hear your perspective on this because I know that like from me, when I read this, I also know that I don't make new friends very easily. Like I have heaps of acquaintances, but the friends I've had now are friends I've had for years. So it's years of boundary setting, right? I relate to you entirely. And years of establishing the same boundaries. But yeah, what do you think? No, I relate to you entirely in that sense. And okay, I don't consider myself an influencer anymore, but some, a boundary that I've had to set with my friends is like, I don't want to be on my phone more than I already have to. And like a large part of my job is having to be on my phone and on Instagram and, and, and like keeping up my engagement. So for that reason, I'm not going to be at anyone's beck and call. I had an argument with a friend once who was like, you never answer my calls. You never respond to my text. You're slow. You're so slow responding to my texts. And I had to like, I have to always be aware 
and very clear about setting the boundary of like I don't like texting I don't like facetiming I like any type of on the phone thing like I'm not I'm not there she said pass (laughs) yeah like I'm just I don't want to have to be on my phone for more than I already have to and so like that's a thing that I know annoys people because I can seem very uh dismissive or Mm. rude Um, But that's, it's just what it is. And I think similarly to you, I don't make a lot of new friends. I have a lot of acquaintances. (laughs) And I also find that like, I think this is a function of living in New York. I find that a lot of times when I meet new people and they're like, hey, can we hang out? When I get there, they just want to talk about like, how do I grow my Instagram? Or like, oh my God, like, how do I grow my podcast? Like, Every time, not every time, but most of the time when people are hitting me up to, new people are hitting me up to hang out, it always seems transactional and business-like and I'm not interested. And so I come across as rude for not wanting to go to like these events or networking things or like being interested in making new friends. But that just is a boundary that I've had to set. And as a result, I don't make new friends easily. But for the friends that I do have, it has taken time for me to assert the boundary that like, yes, I am a bad friend in these ways. But bitch, I'm telling you now, like, and I'm these are my reasons. And I'm also giving you the space to accept or reject because this is something about me that I cannot change. And so I feel like, A dynamic that I've, similarly to you, a dynamic that I've established with a lot of my friends is that like they do end up doing the ones who initiate hangouts and things like that because I also don't really want to be hanging out at the club. (laughs) You know, like I'm just like, just come over to my place and like let's do a game night or have wine or like let's, like I'm just like let's go have a picnic. But that just is like a boundary that I've had to set over time. So I've had to set two boundaries over time. One is that I'm not going to be quick to respond to your text because I don't enjoy being on my phone. Just because you FaceTimed me on a whim, I'm not going to answer probably. And the second is that I don't like clubbing. I don't like parties. Like it's just not my thing. So if we hang out, I'm so down to do anything except for those things. And those have been points of contention with a lot of my friends. And I can see how from their perspective, I seem dismissive um, and rude and, and, and. But I would just rather be upfront in the beginning than to have set expectations that I know I can't reach in the long term. Mm. So the friends I have now have just accepted me for who I am. Like they know that I'm not going to the club with them. They know that, like, if I take four hours to respond to your text, it's not personal. Like, they just know. And I just think a lot of that comes down to the fact that I've set the boundary, not set expectations that I can't meet, and communicated why I am the way I am. And that's probably just not something that people are doing. I think there's also a lot of assumptions that, like, what is a good friend to you is a good friend to someone else. And that's not the case at all, because in the same way that we all have different love languages in our romantic lives, we also have different love languages in our platonic lives. And like, for me, what I value in friendship is just quality time. But for someone else, like I have a friend who like needs to be on the phone all the time, like 
texting yeah. me throughout the day and and like i just no i don't want it you know so that's like something that needs to be communicated on both ends absolutely and i think you know when i think about the perspective of the person who's writing this i don't want them or people like them to feel really cynical about being good to people because i yeah. feel like what ends up happening is that you start to build a resentment towards those around you because they don't mirror friendship or relationships in the way that you do and that's just not mm. fair because if we were doing that with everybody around us we would all just be really really unhappy yeah but i do think that it just goes back to what i was saying initially with setting boundaries and actually giving people room to show up for you and not testing them all the time yeah because it's the test that also build this extra resentment towards people like i waited Mm. and then what as opposed to being like this is what i actually need from you Mm -hmm. not a passive like you know look well you know like just i guess like hit me up like you know when yeah because i'm always yeah no you know what you want like this is not it doesn't really cut it for me and you don't need to be like a turbo assertive person to do it but in whatever tone works best for you saying that this really hurts me and hurts my feelings and i would be lying if i said that i wasn't bothered and i would be lying if i wasn't if i said i I wouldn't be upset by you not contacting me like really put the ball in someone's court so they know that they gotta bounce don't just kind of roll it gently to them and be like hey should you maybe pick that up and like throw it back to me i don't know so there's an element of that there and i don't i also don't think it's um I also don't think you need to lower your expectations either because I feel like you want what you want and you know what you need to feel comfortable in your relationship. So it's not that at all, but it's a certain level of like, how do I explain this? A certain level of kind of understanding your worth in that dynamic Mm. and knowing that even if you don't reach and knowing that like somebody reaching out to you in the way that you deem to be right or good isn't necessarily a reflection of how they feel about you as a person. And I spoke about it in the episode of what we learned too late in life, where I said that I've had to figure out that, um, just speaking all the time and, and, and being, um, sensational wasn't the same as being open and vulnerable and that I wouldn't Mm. die if people just didn't realize that I hadn't said anything in this instance you won't die if friends don't reach out to you in the way that you need yeah and I feel like in a lot of dynamics like in most dynamics there's there are people who give more than they take people who will take more than they give and it's unfortunate that in your dynamic you have become the giver but I don't think you are blameless either because it really does require both parties to do the same behavior repeatedly to create a standard. Right. And so it's almost like how many times did you give and how many times did they take before you realized you were uncomfortable? That's yeah. And how many times, yeah, well you need to tell them that you're uncomfortable and how many times do they need to hear you say you're uncomfortable for them to actually get it? Because we, it, it, that will require yeah. training as well, right? To unlearn the standard that we've now learned. There's also, I think there's also certain standards that we don't think about. We we may think of them as just banal. Mm. So we don't think to voice them. Like, I remember an old friend of mine telling me that she doesn't like hanging out in big groups. She needs one-on-one attention. Mm. And I'd never thought of that. I was like... I literally had never thought that that's a requirement that someone would have in order to feel loved. Mm. And so from her, because I'm I'm a big group, I'm like, I want to hang out with all my friends at once. Like, I want all of us 
in our faces, like, let's all just be in an orgy. I hate where she, shit so much. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas for her, th- that for her isn't quality time and she needed one-on-one attention. Mm. And like her just telling me that was enough for me to take that into account and be like, oh, okay, cool. I can make that adjustment for you. Mm. But had she not voiced that, I would have, we would have just kept the same dynamic going and I would have gone thinking that everything is fine and she would have been feeling like there's nothing, there's like something off about this relation. Like she would have been feeling unloved and I would have continued to feel like our relationship is great. So there's a lot of things that we take for granted in our friendships that we don't think to voice because we just assume that everyone is like us and something that I've actually yeah let's I want to get your perspective on this too a standard that I also have had to or rather a boundary that I've had to set in the past like year or so is like letting my friends know like yo like I am severely depressed most of the time and literally don't have the energy like to go and perform happiness so I actually can't hang out today and like me said like me voicing that has just like improved my friendship so much because instead of people thinking I'm avoiding them like now my friends are aware that like I'm not evasive I'm just depressed do you know what I mean and I know there's there was a really interesting conversation happening in our Facebook group about like to what extent is mental health an excuse for being a shitty friend? Yeah. And yeah, I think that's a really interesting question because I think it is hard for someone who's never had a mental illness or who's never experienced depression to understand why someone with depression can't do a small small thing like leave the house and go get a cocktail. So it's really, it's really fascinating. Like, have you experienced that in your friendships? I or mean, any if I was on the other end of the spectrum and I was the the doer, like the let's hang out her, and somebody was like, I'm yeah. depressed, I can't. Perhaps I would be a bit like, what do you mean? Um, yeah. But yeah, I have had in the past, I would say like early 20s though, of like a lack of understanding of how depression truly affects people in Mm. the way that just wasn't popularized like you know it wasn't until I was like on Twitter two years ago when somebody was saying you know a symptom of depression and anxiety is memory loss I was like what yeah here I thought I was just like you know moping it's like no there are layers and so I totally understand that and I feel like like with most things it's on a case-by-case basis but I'd probably err on being a little bit more it's too pronged though because you don't want to get into that territory of assuming every behavior that doesn't align with what you think somebody should do is because of their mental illness like that's not fair either but also I feel like it becomes really difficult for someone with a mental illness to always have to justify why they are the way they are Mm. like it would be like like, I'm depressed like that's why I'm like this way I told you last week like I'm still depressed so yeah 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 (laughs) I guess it requires heaps of understanding on both parts but I don't think it's an excuse but it can definitely be um an element of why you know yeah I mean something I had to I had to just put on my big boy pants and be like I am also accountable for the sustainability of this friendship despite being depressed like Mm. so it, it just in the same way that it's my friend's responsibility to be understanding or maybe not maybe responsibility is the wrong word 
But for lack of a better word, just in the same way that it's my friend's responsibility to be understanding, it's also my responsibility to communicate really clearly and in really transparent ways. And like, I also didn't know that memory loss was a symptom of depression until my boyfriend told me. Mm. And he was literally like, you need to go get a brain scan because your memory's getting so bad. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, no, like, it's actually a problem. But like, I think like, I don't know. I think it is something that both parties, both parties are equally responsible for the growth of a friendship when one person has a mental illness and the other doesn't like the person with the mental illness is responsible for communicating and also just like being like being considerate of the fact that that other person has no idea what the fuck you're going through so not only do you need to be clear you also just like have to be sympathetic to the fact that they cannot understand what you're going through even if you tell them until you're blue in the face. And the person who doesn't understand what you're going through has to be considerate of that fact too. And that's like fundamentally, I think, what makes it hard and what creates these divisions. It's, yeah, it's really interesting. And I think I it requires think, a lot of emotional maturity. Yeah, and that re- applies to the situation originally, originally, like with the friend who's giving too much and the friend who's who doesn't realize that it's, at a point where it's hurting the person. Because I feel like in any instance, yeah. when you get feedback from a friend about your friendship, you are inclined to think that it's your friend's problem. Mm. Or maybe that's just me. So if I had a friend no, who I was agree like, with that. Yeah. oh, Please. you know, I've just been feeling that you've been acting different. And I, if I haven't even thought about this friend in a way that was like different to what I'd usually been thinking, I'd just say it's you. As opposed to thinking, yeah. okay, maybe I'm being stressed. Maybe I've been anxious. So perhaps I'm not responding as quickly as I usually am. So maybe it is me, you know? So I feel like when people, when people are giving feedback, the person who's getting the feedback will often think that the feedback is the, per- like, so like if I'm giving Bobo feedback, Bobo might think that it's a me problem and that mm, I just need to get it yeah. off my chest yeah. as opposed to it being Bobo's problem that I'm having a problem with her. Yeah. So yeah. I would also be weary of when you're giving somebody feedback, let them know what to do with it. Like what what are the action steps? Because yes, this is why I get point. funny about like honesty is the best policy Twitter culture because yeah. what does somebody need to do with all this honesty, like rudeness, meanness, openness that you're giving them? Like is that really for them or is it for you? Do you really need to tell, you know, your best friend that, you know, you think that she is a poor communicator because she doesn't text you very often or are you just going through something? Which is it? Because if you don't yeah. know what your best case scenario is, you don't have action steps for that next person, you're going to have, you're going to find issues. And I found it in the past where like, you know, when you like, you give somebody feedback, but you leave them to figure out how to like action the feedback and they like, they do it wrong. Right. <laughs> right. And you're like, what right. the fuck? <laughs> Like you say to someone, I wish you'd clean up after yourself. And they start like, you know, wiping a table you've already wiped. You're like, no. Yeah. I wiped that table. (laughs) Move your shoes. So I feel like there's a responsibility to tell people exactly what you need from them. Even though you're doing too much work, even though you've already been telling them. Because it's going to take probably just as much time for them to unlearn this bad habit or whatever habit as it will take for them to unlearn it. I agree. But do you think that like a lot of people will hear what you're saying and be like, that sounds like emotional labor. It is. But do you want friends or not? 
that's thank you oh my god literally (laughs) what is it about our generation that has people thinking that like relationships aren't laborious and i don't and i know laborious has negative connotations but just like objectively speaking why would anything that's good not be work like what is it about our generation that frames like being a decent human being as emotional labor like what is that i don't know i i i don't know if it's I think the issue is friendships though. I feel like most of us have understood that relation, like romantic relationships are going to be harder and there's an element of learning on both sides. that needs to happen for it to work harmoniously. Mm. So you almost have like allow for like some friction because you're like, Oh, this is different. It's romantic. We're getting to learn each other, whatever. But with friendships, because of how they're created, generally without pressure and without expectation when you start to inject pressure and expectations it gets difficult because you don't know how the person you're dealing with is going to respond or if they'll be responsive at all and then suddenly you're dealing with your expectations you know their response to your expectations their you know their lack of success in fulfilling your expectations it's this whole thing so i feel like it's just our insecurities about thinking that friendships especially are meant to be easy and carefree Mm. and so when they're not it becomes like a case of what's wrong with them as opposed to just what's wrong like like framework yeah exactly this shit's meant to be hard yeah do you think um corona has affected your friendships or relationship no because i'm gonna like in in terms of my friendships because i've been an at-home bitch and because it definitely, Same. like, you really have to be working overtime to get me out of the house. Because yeah. I just don't want to do anything, right? And <laughs> Why are we the same person? <laughs> so, if anything, this is, like, I've like a lot of my friendships are turned into, like, FaceTime. And, like, a lot of my friends just, like, aren't are traveling like I am traveling also. So, like, there's not an, an expectation that we're going to be in the same place at all times as well. Yeah. So, it's just, like, FaceTiming. But in the sense, it's, like, a FaceTime to me is... How do I explain it? When you're in the flesh with someone, the idea is that you would be giving them your devoted attention, but that's not really the case. Like I could be sitting Mm. with you having dinner and like be able to do other things like check my phone or like go to the bathroom or like talk to somebody else who like happens to come by or whatever. But with FaceTime or like other like messaging apps, like video messaging apps, it's the idea that I got to now give you an hour of undivided attention. I can't multitask. I can't yeah. like go, go pee, I, yeah. you know, cause all of a sudden it's like, Oh wait, like, are we on a call? So it's yeah. been fine for me. It's been better. Cause the expectations now, like before it was like, Oh, you're so annoying. You never want to leave the house. Now it's like, Oh my God, you're such a crusader. Like you're never leaving the house. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's also how I feel as an introvert, just being congratulated for being myself. That's it. I'm like, We've been doing the work before Honestly, the work was needed. We were doing it. We've been preparing, like truly. Do you want to hear another query? I'm just going yeah, through our group now. Um, yeah. This person says, is anybody else absolutely exhausted with this cool girl guy personality everybody exudes? Have we talked about the cool girl archetype? I think you briefly mentioned that in Australia, like mm. everyone is really lax about yeah. everything, like in romance. Yeah. Well, the cool girl archetype. Have you watched Gone Girl? No. Oh, really? No. What's it about? What? 
I wasn't is expecting that, to hear I... a no. So Gone Girl is, what's a good synopsis for it? Let me read out a good synopsis. It's an American psychological thriller. Um, Ooh, and why it have was, I not watched this? Where's the plot? Oh, no, I don't want the plot. Basically, it's about, um, it's a mystery that follows the events surrounding this guy who becomes a prime suspect in the disappearance of his wife. Look, that doesn't give anything mm. away. You should just watch the movie. It's good. Anyway, let okay. me find the monologue. Go on, go on, monologue. Love it. So this this is the monologue the wife says in the movie that yeah. really encompasses this cool girl archetype. Um, I'll read it. <clears throat> it's like I'm doing a casting. <laughs> uh, okay, so men always say that as the defining compliment. Okay, no. So she says cool girl. Men always say this as the defining compliment, don't they? She's a cool girl. Being the cool girl means I'm hot, brilliant, funny, who adores the football, bo- wait, who adores football, poker, dirty jokes, and burping, who plays video games, drinks cheap beer, loves threesomes and anal sex, um, hot dogs, hamburgers. Um, she's always jamming them into her mouth, but somehow maintains a size two because cool girls are, are above all hot hot and understanding cool girls never get angry they only smile in a chagrined loving manner and let their men do whatever they want go ahead shit on me i don't mind i'm the cool girl men actually think this girl exists maybe they're fooled because so many women are willing to pretend to be this girl for a Mm -hmm. long time the cool girl offended me i used to see men friends co-workers strangers giddy over these awful pretender women and i'd want to sit these men down and calmly say you are not dating a woman you're dating a woman who has watched too many movies written by socially awkward men who'd like to believe that this kind of woman exists and might kiss them i'd want to about it (laughs) i'd want to grab the poor guy by his lapels it's so good because up until this point it was a very like internalized misogyny and they're like oh wait she's got points (laughs) um i love it she says I'd want to grab the poor guy by his lapels or messenger bag and say, this bitch doesn't really love chili dogs that much. No one loves chili dogs that much. And the cool girls are even more pathetic. They're not even pretending to be the woman they want to be. They're pretending to be the woman a man wants them to be. And if you're not a cool girl, I beg you not to believe that your man doesn't want the cool girl. It may be a slightly different version. Maybe he's a vegetarian. So the cool girl loves um, Satan and is great with dogs or maybe he's a hipster artist so the cool girl is tattooed and bespectacled nerd who loves comics there are variations to the window dressing but believe me he wants cool girl who is basically the girl who likes every fucking thing he likes and doesn't ever complain how do you know you're not a cool girl because he says things like i like strong women if he says that to you he will at some point fuck someone else because i like strong women is code for i hate strong women I love this. Ah, you got to watch the movie. Anyway, so... No, I'm ready. Obviously, it feels like there's just, like, a little bit of internalized misogyny there. Because, I mean, maybe the cool girl does exist for some people. And, like, I when I first heard that monologue, I was thinking, is the cool girl behaving in that way? Or is that, is that how we're perceiving her behavior? So, like, if we see... Well, I think... It's probably yeah, both... It, at the same time. It reminds me of, like, the girl who's like, I can't be friends with girls. They're yeah. just too much drama. <laughs> too much drama. I'm always skeptical yeah. of any girl who's like, like, what do you mean girls are too... Men literally throw nukes at each other's countries <laughs> when they can't figure their shit out. Like, men go to war. That is the height of drama. So I, I literally... Nah. 
I think that girl does exist. Um, oh, she definitely exists. Yeah. The poor girl, based on this monologue, she exists. But I start to wonder, like, obviously, like, she exists. But then, like, does she exist as often as we see it? Or uh, mm. is our own internalized misogyny trying Jumping to point out. yeah trying to point out and be like oh no she definitely doesn't like sports she's just doing that because she knows men like sports yeah she doesn't like beer she's just doing that because men like beer you know anyway so that's context for the cool girl but outside of that monologue the cool girl is like aloof maybe apathetic like nothing phases her i don't care too much i don't get hurt i don't feel i don't cry yeah. like um, you know, we all know someone similar and the like cool guy's similar. I don't give a shit. It's chill. It's fine. I'm not phased. I'm a bit avoidant. It's whatever. Anyway, context. Back to the post. Yeah. Um, so is anybody else absolutely exhausted by this cool girl guy personality everyone exudes? Lately, I've increasingly noticed that this idea of being relaxed, laid back and not letting anything phase you is getting to me a little bit. I feel as though we have all been expected to be so casual about friendships, our desires, our ambitions and dating so much so that caring about something makes you this overzealous person who's just doing too much. Why are Funny. we as a society or maybe it's our generation so drawn to this over so drawn to this archetype or maybe i'm simply overreacting sis you are not overreacting no you are not it is such a thing Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's been it's become really cool to hate things like a lot of people's personalities is just competing to see who can hate things the most and i think that's part of like the cool i don't care about anything i'm like above everything trope I don't know. I think it's largely a result of internet culture. Mm-hmm. But I don't... It's... Yeah. I'm not for it either. I hate it. I definitely think it's... And like most things, it's been popularized by Hollywood because I feel like... Fully. We would... There was becoming like a... I, I guess a transition in the social zeitgeist where things were moving, where like the world around us was getting increasingly political our interpersonal relationships were getting increasingly political and because we couldn't personally like digress into like leaning too far either way for fear of backlash we Mm. adopt this like cool apathy you know which can be internalized as acceptance or indifference depending on who you're talking to right and so suddenly like you're not under the radar because you're just like "Hmm, whatever like I see it. Maybe I don't see yeah. it. Maybe you see it. Maybe you don't see it. And it kind of like, ref- like it almost like you end up reflecting whatever the person who's talking to you yeah. wants you to be for that moment. It's yeah. almost like a safety net in some, in some degree. Yeah, it is. It's definitely driven by fear of embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Like it's so much easier to pre- like, it's so much easier to pretend you're not embarrassed by rejection when you pretended that you never cared in the first place. Period. But it's also like that wall uh, that protects you from embarrassment is also the wall. It's also the wall that like prevents you from experiencing the fullness of life. Like you just. Another thing is that like it's people's people's fear of suffering that really promotes the cool girl trope. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Like when you're scared of, like when you're scared of suffering, it's so much easier to protect yourself by just pretending to not care, like mm-hmm. by just being numb. And it's like, it's why I always talk about like leaning into suffering, leaning into chaos, like being more comfortable because to live, like to exist is to suffer. Like you hop out the womb and you will suffer. And the more you lean into it and accept that fact of life, the easier life will go. Like you cannot pretend your way out of any suffering. Like you're just, it, it is the the height of clownery. Mm. It's really interesting, like, our generations, maybe it's not just our generation, but, like, humanity's obsession with running away from any level of discomfort. Mm, and I'm just not for it. I would say it's our it. generation, maybe the generation below as well, and one above. Mm. No, just below. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I was talking on my Instagram about how I'm no longer doing trigger warnings. Mm. And I was like, my reason for that was because life is triggering, like, all of life is triggering and it is more helpful for you to learn to deal with your triggers than to try and avoid them. Like it's everyday evasiveness. A lot of the way that we deal with life suffering is to avoid. Like one of those ways is trigger. And I understand like the mental health. I too, like I feel you. I'm triggered by so many things. But I've just clocked that for me, it is more conducive for me to lean into and accept the things and understand the things that trigger me than to run away from them. And also it's like, it's my responsibility to deal with my triggers. It's not anyone else's responsibility to put warnings on them for Mm. my comfort. I just think we're too obsessed with comfort. We're too fearful of any type of discomfort and it's turning everyone into just like really boring, uninteresting sacks of flesh. <laughs> I'm not here for it. Be more uncomfortable. You tried it. But to that <laughs> point, though, I also think like the monologue said, I reckon like the cool girl trope exists because a lot of media is written for men under, um, sorry, it's written by men for men Um and the gaze in which they view womanhood and femininity. Mm, and like, wouldn't fact. it be so lovely to have this hot, like indifferent girl who just liked what you liked and did what you mm-hmm. did. And I think because it is generally like straight hetero men who, who, yeah, who's creating all this media, we now would consume that and think that must be the norm, right? Because yeah. we're seeing it in music, yeah. we're seeing it in TV, in movies, and there was no critique for that. And yeah. it wasn't until recently, I guess, when people started wanting to see like themselves reflected back at them in pop culture and media, then we start to dissect, wait, do we know anybody who is like this, you know, Literally. cool girl? Like, do we really know a girl who just doesn't really give a shit? Who's just like at the beck and call of any guy? Like we, we might know one, two, 
Maybe even three I don't know out a of the hundreds know we know. Single bitch. <laughs> so now it's like, okay, suddenly it's like the gap in. But I think it's like there's still a distinction between thinkers and like movers and like the thinkers are aware they might not know too many but the movers who are just going with the flow are kind of like well this is what i'm seeing therefore it Mm. must be how we behave because how else are we meant to learn how to be if not by what we consume so you know i don't it's one of those things where i can understand why somebody thinks the cool girl trope is flattering because it's been praised and like amplified in so many ways um and i would guarantee that the people who are who align with the cool girl cool girl trope are being praised more often than those who like rebel against it yeah and we all look for affirmation for i mean like for uh, we all look for affirmation for proof that we're doing it right right and so i've been affirmed all my life of being a cool girl why would i think i wasn't why would I think I was acting yeah. any differently to the way I've been meaning to the to way act? I am naturally? Yeah, like this is me. I'm cool. <laughs> it's it's so interesting, like how much of women's identity is just a performance that's been created by male desire. Sad. Like so much of what we define as being a woman is literally just an act. Like it's just a performance that we've bought into from Hollywood mm. and mass media. It's literally, hold on, my laptop is dying. Give me a sec. (laughs) Okay, I'm back. Welcome. It's such a, it's so wild how like all of, probably even like beyond gender, like everything related to identity politics is just a performance. Like who the fuck are we? (laughs) Period. Also... Given I was set, um I was trying to find the original post but I lost it but the gist was like is anybody sick of this cool girl stereotype blah blah but I also feel like until you become conscious or aware that you are perpetuating until yeah you're conscious or aware of different archetypes most of us probably perpetuated a cool girl stereotype to some degree like the monologue mm. said the cool girl stereotype differs based on the environments that you're in right. So, like, perhaps being a cool girl in some environment is denouncing that you have religious beliefs because it would be cooler not to. Mm. Or drinking when you don't want to because it'd be cooler just to do it. Or being agreeable when you don't want to be because it's cooler to do so. I feel like it's easy to try and pinpoint this, like, you know, beer drinking, you know, hot dog eating, skinny bitch because it's easy But I feel like up until we're both very aware of the ways we've all kind of been indoctrinated to this very one dimensional way of being, we are all perpetuating cool girl stereotypes. Yeah. Oh my God. Do you think that you still do like in any, in any context or are you just like your alien self? I don't think I do only because I feel like the cool girl thing jumps out when you're dating. I feel like it's much easier Mm. to be yourself or closer to yourself in in environments where the stakes aren't as high and i feel like a lot of people date date through a lens of fear or scarcity and so you want to pull out all the stops like how do i make sure like i'm on i'm like eligible i'm dateable i'm all of those things fully right and then you have to lean in you know what I mean? Like you said that weird thing about something, but you just, you, you mind your business because you're cool and laid back and whatever. I feel like in a lot of, and perhaps like I can see in in, in a traditional 
uh, like work environment, it would be much harder to not lean into that cool girl stereotype because sometimes with work, you just need to kind of shut down those emotions and just do it. Mm. You know, like just smile when your manager's like telling you that you, you need to like wear your hair a different way because like I'm chill, relaxed, like yeah, internalized. Well, that's yeah, that's more survival. Yeah, but I reckon yeah, if you're actively dating and like heterosexual dating, dating and you're the girl, it would be much harder to. And like you're in a position where you haven't had as much success as you wanted to, I can see why you you would regress into the cool girl yeah. trope as no, a absolutely. method of getting what you want, which is a shame, but it's, it's just such a waste. Yeah, it is because wouldn't it be hard if somebody like fully fell in love with this real diluted version of you, <laughs> and then as soon as you started to show the real you, they just got put off. <laughs> Isn't that most relationships? Like yeah, when you really so. think about it, like <laughs> people perform their way into a marriage and then once they get married, they take off their clown suit mm. and they're like, and scene. <laughs> and that's when. <laughs> and that was a performance from the 2012. <laughs> literally, literally. I do. I was watching this fascinating interview with a divorce lawyer where he was saying that a lot of times people will come into his office and they'll be like, I don't know who this person is. I just like, this isn't the person that I married. And he'll ask them, well, what kind of person Mm. was he when you married him? Like, how was he like when he was dealing with money? And she'd be like, oh, he was always nickel and diming people. And he's like, oh, so why are you surprised that he's nickel and diming Mm -hmm. you now? You know, and it's like, a lot of times, not only is your partner performing, but you also are applauding them for their performance because (laughs) you'd rather be stuck in a circus than to be single. Like you'd rather stay here acting along with them than to be single and wait until you find the person that you can be yourself around. Mm -hmm. It's so fascinating. Like that dating is just one big circus. Yeah, but nobody wants to believe it. How do you think dating will be like, change after corona do you think i'm really interested in what life like how humans will engage with each other post because i think this is gonna go on for a couple more months and i think when i think about the fact that it only takes 21 days to form a habit and if we've now formed this habit of like being fearful of each other and treating each other like we're all a plague Like, I notice how, like, usually when I'm in a grocery store, like, in New York, we're just all on top of each other like rats. But now we're all just, like, avoiding each other as if we all have the plague. (laughs) And I wonder how much of that we're going to internalize into the future and how much of that will just become the normal way of existing. That's a great question. And, like, how is that, you know, like, how is that going to affect the way that we relate to each other romantically? I think that either people when it comes to dating will become really, really desperate Mm. and will forego all like the standards and boundaries they put up before, because now the stakes seem a little bit, I mean, not the stakes seems hot, not that the stakes seem higher, but I feel like so many months of, uh, of scarcity will make people gorge on anything that's available. Right, And I think it'll be hard to kind of like be really discerning about the attention you're getting because you haven't had to use the skill very well in a long time, Mm. you know, because one thing to just like, you know, 
be accepting any any old compliment up until we're allowed to go outside freely. But when you're <laughs> when you're able to date, you know, as you want to, when you want to, will you able to be as will you be able to be as discerning as you were pre Rona, or will you be fearful of not getting any options? Right. Um, and then, or on the other end of the spectrum, I think that people will start to date a bit, not even strategically, but a bit more hypergamously. Like you know, if if I get into a point where we have to lock down again. I yes. want to be in a position where I can live with someone or they can live with me or we can afford to, you know, isolate comfortably. Cause there are a lot of people That's who are doing, who are really hard done by now who mm. could really benefit from a partner who has, you know, an apartment they can stay in or who yeah. has money to get groceries, you know, or just like a comfortable home. And that so, is so if we're going to start yeah. moving through the life, prioritizing like security and stability in a way that we hadn't considered before, then maybe you're going to go with that guy who seems a little bit more stable and like secure than the guy who's like fun and a good route because the fun and good mm. route guy has just got a mattress and three empty beer bottles for you and these things won't feed you <laughs> oh my god yes and i think it'll all be really subconscious as well like oh, of course even if we're consciously thinking about our strategy our like how we act in those moments will show our true colors sooner than what we would prefer to do. Even now I feel like somebody messaged me the other day and said that we should do an episode on dating during the road. I'm like, well, Bo and I aren't like, we're not actively dating anyone, but boyfriends. So we can't help you there. But she said that she had noticed that within her friend group, people were really yearning for like, a romantic distraction and friends of hers that weren't really interested in like proactively dating are now the ones on Tinder, on Bumble, on Hinge, looking for a man, mm. like looking for someone to FaceTime, looking for someone to chit chat, all of that. And I was like, really it in this time, especially I would hope that, or I would have thought people would be just be grossed out by other people. Yeah, no, I feel like, I mean, yeah, when I think about it, this has been the period in time when all of my exes have just come just Uh like throwing themselves back. Yeah, like my ex texted me today out of the blue. It's really, I guess people are just lonelier than ever and hornier than ever, you know? And maybe they're just trying to secure, just like you secure your bay right now so that when quarantine time is over, you have solidified dick, you know? Mm. I think people are strategizing. Yeah. I mean, as much as they can, because we are like, this is a very uncertain period. So you could strategize as much as you want, but if laws Mm. get more and more stringent, um, then your strategizing is moot. But also for, for all of the people who are taking this seriously without, you know, um, confining themselves to a jail, Um, there are so many, if not much more, much many, much more people, a lot of other people who are not taking it seriously at all, who are still living their normal lives, who are not taking precautions, who are not washing their hands more, who are not disinfecting their houses more, who are not doing anything but what they've been doing, um, because of whatever reason, because they're like not taking it seriously. Did you see that, see that thread in our Facebook group? Somebody posted and said, you know, can you post a, a, a thread of like your dating screenshots of where people have tried to convince you to leave your house to fuck I them saw during that. the rainy? Yeah. What? Yeah. I saw that. I was disgusted. I think a lot of people just think this is like a scam by the government. That's another thing. Like it really doesn't help us 
in times like this that we don't trust the government mm. like we don't trust authority we don't trust the media we don't trust our president and this is the worst possible time to be in a state where capitalism has failed us so bad that no one trusts anyone else mm. and it, the way i feel about it is i understand people not wanting to take it too seriously in terms of managing their own anxiety about the situation because you really can't do much aside of take extra precautions um, right like washing your hands and not going outside but that's that's what we know so far and as we begin to get more information how we take those precautions will also change so I understand like you know just doing what you can and minding your business mm. but I also think there's this like um there's this like these two narratives happening in tandem where like you can you can care less and acknowledge that shit is hectic, you right. know, or you could care less and convince yourself that it's not as bad as you think it is. And the second right. one is dangerous because, like, you exist in two separate worlds. The world inside your head where you're like, fuck, this is fucked, but it's okay because, like, I'm going to manage my own emotions and just get through it. Or, like, lie or delude yourself to the point where you're like, corona's not real because I don't care about it anymore, Right. Yeah, and it's like, mm, there is a middle. There's a middle ground somewhere where you can manage your own mental state and also take precautions and acknowledge it, even if this is one big hoax. What do we have to lose from being a bit more precautious? Without yeah, our, our honestly, I actually we got an interesting question about this. Actually, someone asked, "I would love for you to talk about the consequences of free will equals chaos." versus order that brings progress for example china has eliminated the roni faster because they're super disciplined and people can't do whatever they want Mm. however in the western world with the attitude of you can't tell me what to do i love my freedom who the fuck are you the roni is rampant can't Mm. we acknowledge that humans don't know how to use free will for the bettering of life so basically what she's saying is is freedom the reason why Western countries are only getting worse? If Lol. we were less free, <laughs> if we were less free <laughs> and more policed, we would have recovered. What are your thoughts? I agree with her. I mean, it sounds think, like it's hitting in a way that I didn't want to say, but yeah, it's hitting. I mean, I truly think that humans don't do well with freedom Mm. but i've only made this realization in the past week where i realized that all the ways that i've thought well all the ways that our ancestors have fought for us to be free have only further enslaved us Mm. or they've only you know like i i just realized that like actually humans don't want to be free or rather, it's not that we don't inherently want to be free, but at this point, we're so enslaved that the comforts, the pseudo comforts and the illusions of safety are prioritized over freedom. Like yeah. the pseudo comforts of capitalism and the pseudo comforts that come with slavery are prioritized over freedom. And I think that is to our detriment, like I really do think that we have too much freedom. I don't believe in democracy or I don't think it can exist. It can coexist with capitalism. 
And I think we'd be far better off under a dictatorship, like under a benevolent dictator. (laughs) And that's my hot take for this week. (laughs) Look, points were made. I can't deny that points were made from both you and that poster. And yeah, I mean, in terms of what we can see happening now with how the Roni is escalating, because a lot of us live in environments where, you know, we're not disciplined and, and rules aren't enforced quickly or at Mm. all for fear of backlash like i know in australia our pm or in new south wales our pm is is i guess at the how do i explain it it feels like he no how do i word this i need to find the right words i don't like Mm. so i don't like butcher okay let's go we'll just say the pm of australia i feel like he is more concerned with how to manage personal backlash than how to deal with the situation oh, and the of situation course, yeah. i get it because like that's per- trump too by yeah, the way. personal backlash <laughs> informs how you deal with the situation professionally as well if you feel slighted by your community you're going that's going to reflect in the way you're dealing with the situation yes but yeah i think what a lot of people and a lot of people in power politicians especially are fighting against is how they um how they dismissed china so early on and how they were ridiculing like the efforts that china was making saying it was too much too soon china's doing too much whatever blah blah blah. and now it's their turn and to not look like they're backtracking they got a drip feed oh you can go outside but only for two hours a day oh you can go outside but only in groups of 10 oh, you can go to your boyfriend's house, but only if it's your primary partner. And it's like, okay, which is it? Like they came out with laws in New South Wales that said that, you know, massage parlors were closed, now salons were closed. Um, You can can exercise outside in small groups. You can have a funeral if it's 10 people. You can have a wedding if it's five people and hairdressers will be open, but only if you're, if they're, if the cut you're getting is going to take 30 minutes. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And- from my understanding, I guess I would assume that people in positions of power wanted to drip feed um, this discipline so people mm. become more comfortable with greater discipline in future, right? Like if we take one thing right. from you this week, two things from you next week, three things from you next week, you'll be more comfortable rather than stripping you of everything at once. But the issue is with the rate this is accelerating. If we can't afford that. The longer yeah. it takes for you to discipline people, the less they think it's serious. So yes. why is it this week yeah. people are still going to the beach because it's hot. They're still having house parties. You know, they're still kicking, doing dinners. Because we've created a culture where we don't want to share discomfort. And we're prioritizing popularity and the economy, which is like fair and unfair in a lot of ways over Mm. the livelihood of individuals and that i want to i love that like points were made and i love what you say about how scott morrison is prioritizing um his reputation over the safety of his citizens and i think that is a result of freedom like no not freedom but free will Mm. i think the illusion of free will perpetuates the illusion of individuality like if you live in a society where you're told that like your life as an individual is how do i frame this 
I think like when you live in a society that's very collectivist, you don't see yourself as an individual. Like, And when you don't see yourself as an individual, free will isn't even really a thing. So you move as a collective because you understand that like the consequences of your actions are collective. Whereas like when you live in a society where you're told that like your individual consequences only affect you as an individual, like this can only be the result. Like there was no other way that this would pan out. And I'm really... I don't want to be one of those like conspiracy theorists, <laughs> but I fully think that the reason this is happening is like life itself forcing us to pick collectivism or or death. Like I feel like at this point, if we continue with the this illusion, like if we continue living under this illusory state of individualism we can only die like there is no other option and i feel like a lot of people are blaming china or ai or like this is biological warfare but i literally think that this is life itself forcing us to evolve and adapt to like a more sustainable way of living which is collectivism Mm -hmm. and i don't think people are gonna realize that so i ultimately think we're actually gonna die (laughs) <laughs> you would love that <laughs> shut up <laughs> look fully absolutely though because even what's been alarming is that i would understand this lack of urgency or lack of discipline if this was happening to one continent right or mm, a few yeah, countries yeah. on one continent but this yeah. is taking over the world at a rapid and accelerated pace at the same time. And there's mm. still people who are denying and denouncing the legitimacy of it Fam. all. Which are, so it makes me think, well, what, what will it take? Do you really need someone that you know to die for it to be a big deal? I think, I literally think that's what it is. I was watching the news today and there's some state in the US, I think it's Kansas. They're like, oh, you can't leave your house unless you're going to church. Mm. And... <laughs> that just goes to show that like the only thing that will get people to take it like properly seriously is for it to happen to you yeah like that is literally i mean a thousand people died today in new york like just today it was a thousand people didn't anybody's mom ever tell them prevention is better than cure? Like, take I, precautions now not. so you don't have to die. So your friend doesn't have to die. So your mom doesn't have to die. Why do you want to wait till your auntie's dead? Literally. To be, like, to be on Twitter being like, I didn't think it was a big deal until my auntie died. And everyone's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry for you. Like, that's not cute. And it's similarly, really, yeah. the amount of people I'm seeing, you know, on like people sharing me different people's profiles saying, oh my God, like, you know, another person in the media or like listen, watch this girl's story. And like watching people who are like going to the beach, you know, going to public areas listen, and like getting exposed yeah. because they've been shown on TV or been shown on the internet. And then everyone doing their big, oh, you know, like this is, I didn't think it was a big deal until, you know, I got, um, you know, put it pulled aside by the police. I didn't think it was a big deal until I got fined. What news are you reading that I'm not reading? <laughs> Who's not saying this is a big deal? Well, the news about Roni hasn't been chill since, like, the start yeah. of March. 
I mean, you did say that hoes don't read the news. Mm. Like, they don't read, they don't watch the news. It's just... I don't know what media people are consuming, honestly. But also, that's an- that's another thing about freedom, is that there's so much fake news. And fake news is the same font as real news. Mm-hmm. So, like, everyone... Sometimes I have to think about the fact that, like, my media diet is incredibly different from everyone else's. Like, when I open my Instagram feed, it's puppies and, like, philosophy quotes. But when someone else opens their feed, it's conspiracy theories about China's biological warfare against America. Like, we're all receiving such different news in the way that a China... in a way that a country like China isn't and that informs why we don't move as a unit like why we're not gonna get over this because some of us take it seriously some of us think it's just a scam from the government some of us just think it's like not real at all this is ghetto this is very ghetto Mm -hmm. yeah it's extremely ghetto and it's sad and yeah I mean a lot of us are so lucky that we're not like immunocompromised and we'll be fine but just wait Mm. till it's our turn wait till it's (laughs) only you know a viral infection that's attacking millennials with Instagram and Twitter you'll be sorry it's (laughs) it's surpassed it's no longer like the disease that's just attacking immunocompromised people like now that's the thing that is diabolical about this disease is that the more we try to understand it, the less we understand it. Mm. Like every time someone thinks they get what it is, it switches up on us. Like it's constantly mutating. In the beginning, everyone thought, oh, it's just old people and immunocompromised. But now when you look at the stats, it's people in their 20s and 30s. It's like people who had no prior health conditions, no underlying health conditions, And it's just, I actually think I have it right now. I was like dying the past week and then today I'm randomly fine. But who knows? Like, I literally like, first I was so tired, like just extremely exhausted. And initially I just thought like, oh, this is just depression. But then it like really was like, Not just a fatigue of like low energy, but it was like I just was sleeping all the time. And then I already have asthma. So it just felt like a um, like a continued asthma attack, like an ongoing asthma attack. Mm. Um, And yeah, just like sweating, like just being and I'm always cold. So just like feeling hot all the time. So I was like, oh, yeah, no, like I fully... Yeah, I fully have it. But then like on days like today, I feel like a human being. I don't know. This shit is so mysterious. Like I don't, I actually don't know. But it's funny, like last week I went to the grocery store and all the people outside who like weren't wearing masks and all that jazz, it was like old people Mm. who just seem like just taking walks and I'm like, I mean, if you've lived through a war, then yeah. If you've been a refugee, I feel like all these things. Because I feel like the the thing that's getting, the thing that's fucking everybody up about Corona is that unlike a lot of other misfortune in life, it's controlled or understood in mm. some way. So like, you know, this is just like <laughs> what do you call an invisible killer? 
Yeah. And it's coming no, for fully. all of us. Who knows when? I think at this point, it's not about if you'll get it. It's just about when. Mm-hmm. And you just have to hope for the best. But I think that's also a reason why people aren't taking it seriously. Some people's... um. Some people's logic is that, well, if we're all going to get it, let's just get it and get it over with. Like, mm. why bother quarantining if we're all going to get it? I guess because they're presuming that when they get it, it won't be a matter of hospitalization. Yeah, it won't be. Yeah. You'd hope. Yeah. And then suddenly you're like, you're there, like, fucking paralyzed in your living room, in pain, can't reach Literally. your it's yeah but it's interesting that like the people we were trying to protect the most seem the most unbothered like mm. <laughs> did we ever ask them if you're trying to like are you trying to live yeah <laughs> they're like existentialists as well and to be Literally. fair like my relationship towards the roni is still the same as the last episode like i can't really fear what i don't know but i yeah, would be a same. dummy to not take the precautions that have been are like provided you know like yeah it's the least i could fucking do so yeah. no i agree i agree and i'm not trying to like anxious myself into death <laughs> yeah i can't do it that's the thing i don't know i feel like i'm at a point now where i don't think i'm scared of anything <laughs> not and i know that sounds really arrogant and pompous but i just think i've reached this point where i've really realized that i have no control over anything and the best i can do is just go I, this is a very like taoist way of thinking but the best i can do is just to go and accept what happens mm. and i'm also just at this point where i have zero fear of death so like i'm really just at this point where i'm like if i die i die but the least I can do is not kill anyone else. Like, and that's that's my reasoning for not being out popping my pussy at the beach. Yeah, right. It's just like whether I have it or not is inconsequential to me. But like, some people want to live. Like, some people are scared of dying. Mm-hmm. So, like, let me not, you know, let me not. And also, my pride won't allow me to be willfully ignorant in, in spaces yeah. where I have the information. You know, yeah. like. At one point, maybe in February, it was cute to be like, whatever, like, we out and about, like, let me not stress. Yeah. But, like, now it's clear. Yeah. And, like, I don't want to be that spiteful bitch who's like, I hope you fucking get it. But <laughs> just, I don't hope you just get know. it. But I hope that if you've infected someone and they die, you know about it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Let it sit. <laughs> let it sit. Because that's no almost worse, that you know? Yeah, no one no one could live and with that And that's what we're talking about. Like, you probably won't get it. Young, hot, and fresh. Like, you good? Probably not no, religious. No, you'll get it. You probably just like, won't even Maybe feel you it. won't yeah. die. Maybe you won't even feel it. Yeah. But, I mean, God forbid you get it and then you start passing it on. You're killing your grandma. You killed your next door neighbor. Killed your boyfriend's pet. Can you imagine? Mm, couldn't be me. I don't want it. I don't want it. (laughs) This has been lovely. So join us. Yeah, join us on Facebook. We're on Facebook as Bobo and Flex. Our Facebook group is so juicy. Join us. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We are on all the platforms as Bobo and Flex. Follow us. Tweet at us. Talk to us. Join in the conversation. And let us know what else you'd like to hear from us. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Farewell. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.